This is exactly right. Um, all right, let's do this. Scotty, you ready? Curdy B, are we starting it up right now? We are. Here it is. Okay, good. <laughs> Here it is. Thomas Fitzpatrick, the drunk pilot who landed a plane on New York City streets not once but twice. Oh, that seems intentional. That seems like this is not an accident. Let's uh let's talk about this on a brand bank of new bananas. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to Bananas. I'm Kurt Brownalarm. I am Banana Boy number two, Scotty Landis. Thank you for listening to the silliest little podcast there ever was. Kurt, do you want to do some very, very quick announcements up top before we bring on our wonderful guests? Are you kidding me? That's all I want to do. Guys, this is the biggest information, all right? Yes. The, the main thing is that... I don't think we've emphasized this live stream enough. We are having a live. The no. show that we're doing at Dynasty Typewriter on November 28th, there is a live stream option. So if you do yep. not live in Los Angeles, you can get on that live stream. Yes, you can dress up in your own home. Yes, we will be having a costume contest. Yep. You will not be able to win anything nope. for the costume contest at home, but you will be able to watch. We have a very, 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 very special guest for our True. Los Angeles show. Uh, so you don't want to, honestly, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be, it's going to be bigger and better than the last time we did a live stream, which was already pretty great. And, uh, don't forget to get tickets for all our other shows. Connecticut shows about to sell out. New York shows yeah. about to sell out. Chicago. Oh, yeah. Let's get on that. Yep. Uh, that's the business end of the stick. Let's get into our very silly podcast. Yeah. Let's get to the pleasure <laughs> end of the stick. <laughs> Our guest today is an award-winning journalist, former MTV mm -hmm. news anchor, and producer, and you can now find her co-hosting the wonderful podcast, Add to Cart. Please welcome Suchin Pak. All right. Pleasure end of the stick. The pleasure end of the stick. <laughs> Put it on your resume. Pleasure end of the stick. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I also want to say for the listeners who this is just an audio experience, mm -hmm. if I could describe to you Kurt's background. <laughs> Kurt, just tell me this. Are you, just by the nod of your head, are you in trouble? Do we need to send help? Are you in a basement? Has someone kidnapped you? You guys, he is in what could only be described as a storage shed uh -huh. uh, of sorts. And yes. uh, he's got racks of, of fan mail. Um, mm -hmm. He's got some sort of a toolbox and lots of, I want to say, igloos and yeah, some igloo duffel coolers. bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scotty, is this his normal background? You're yeah. just used to it. Kurt records from the back of a moving truck going across <laughs> I-80 at all times. I got to keep he's, moving. He's on the <laughs> can't let him find me. I can't let him find me. It's it just, I'm just kind of slowly like bouncing up and down the whole I time. Just it's it's amazing. This is but my anyway. garage. This is I honestly for you know when we started doing all of the live live streaming stuff when uh, the great great car started, Zoom I life. had this 
and I always meant to change it, always meant to do something about it, and I never ever I'm so did. Glad. I never yep. did. I said, you know I'm what? This so is my glad. life. The rest of the it's my it's the rest of my uh Oh, that looks gorgeous. It's better there. that way. It's, yeah. it's man, your man cave is gorgeous. Thank you. But, but this is that just angle That's so funny. Yeah. I have um to. all right. All right, all right. I, we digress, we digress. It's that's my fault. Fine. No. I had to just, you know, Mwah. make Mwah. sure we were here together. I love a present. digression. I love <laughs> my favorite thing ever. And I try and do this when I'm a guest on a podcast is to come mm-hmm. in with an opinion right off the bat. Hot. Yes. Because Hot. it makes it's like, here's who I am. Are you gonna like me? You're gonna like me. Yep. And that night now I can just sleep through the whole thing. You know what <laughs> yes. I mean? Yes. I gave you my best material, <laughs> conk it out. You know? Just roast. Just start with a roast. And <laughs> from here we're gonna build each other up. It's gonna be such a great experience. We're all gonna Wait, move in together eventually. You guys, let's get real personal. This is how I, I used to to flirt with the men's in the bars. You know, I wasn't yeah, very good at it. I was a supreme negger. Never worked. Wow. I'd go in hot. Just like if I liked someone's energy, it was like it was, it was I was a vessel for insults. I don't even know where they would come from. They would come. And and then and then if he could stand the heat, I'm like, all right, let's do yeah. coffee. You know what? You know? I yeah. weirdly I respond to that because my. <laughs> yes, it's true. It, it really is my my third day at college. I yeah. had um, the first day at college. I had dyed my hair purple, but I had done it by myself with manic. It's a great look. And I had also oh, manic panic, love it. I'd also all over your pillows. Yeah, <laughs> I dyed my hands and my neck as well. So my Genius. hands were purple and my neck was purple, but my hair was Barney. Like, and also my hair was like shoulder length purple, beautiful. Oh my god, I'm gorgeous ride, beast, ri- gorgeous. I'm, I'm riding my skateboard <laughs> with my purple hair flowing in the wind. Ooh, oh god, purple hands and with purple hands and a uh, woman stops me. And uh, and she says, hey, I like your hair. And I said, oh, thank you. She says, I really like the way you dyed your neck and hands. (laughs) Please tell me you married that gal. I was with her for 13 years. We did not get married, but we were together for 13 years. (laughs) See, See? it works, guys. We're all romantics here, you guys. That's right. Um, So let's get into this first story. Um, I love it. And then let's find out a little bit more about your podcast. But right off the bat, I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite stories that has ever been sent in. Okay. Um, This was sent in by you-know-who, me. I found this story. (laughs) No wonder you like it so much. That makes a lot of sense. No wonder it's your favorite. (laughs) This is... um, so Thomas Fitzpatrick, the drunk pilot who landed a plane on New York City streets <laughs> twice. Yeah. And it was part. So I, I, I will maybe like do a couple quotes from this. Um, here is basically the, 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 the gist of it. Around 3 a.m. Okay. on September 30th, 1956, a World War II veteran turned airplane pilot, Thomas Fitzpatrick, did what seems totally unthinkable. Thomas flew a single-engine plane without lights or radio and landed it perfectly on an uptown Manhattan Fantastic. street and did it all because of a drunken bet. Then, two years later, when another drunk bar, a drunk patron didn't believe he did it, he did it again. <laughs> um, I, that was me just quoting from... A, 
you know, this website bugged space, but I think... I'm reading it every day. (laughs) This is... It's not written by anyone because I think they cribbed this completely from uh, allthatsinteresting.com, which is where I first found this. Okay. Um, But I did confirm it on the New York Times who had an article long ago, a pilot landed on an uptown street. That's where the bar was. So... Yeah. This guy bet someone at the bar uh, that he could make it from Jersey to Washington Heights in 15 minutes. The guy took the bet. He left at 2 a.m., took a cab to Titosboro Airport, stole a plane, (laughs) left, took off, (laughs) took off without lights and without um, radio, uh, like, uh, talking, radio talking. You guys know what radio talking is. And then flew it and then was going to land on the Washington Heights high school football field. But it was, there was no lights. And so it was too dark. So he had to land on a street with lights. And he landed and then got out of the plane, went into the bar, got his money and kept drinking, left the plane there. So then in the morning, the plane was just there. Obviously, like, cops had to like get it towed or wh- however you get a plane out of Upper, Man- Upper Manhattan. And, yeah. and then he was just regarded. And this is so crazy. This is the 50s. He was just regarded as a hero. <laughs> people, people were like, like the, there, was a, there was like a police officer who was quoted as saying, that is a hundred thousand to one that you could land on that street. Because there's like street lights. There's cars parked on either side. Wow. Like if he clips one thing, there's tall buildings. So it's literally he flew into a canyon and landed it. And is he drunk? And he's wasted. It's three in the morning That's when why. he lands. Yep. Uh, and he thinks he can do it. So he, does, he gets a hundred dollar fine and it's totally fine. He's Incredible. a hero. The New York Times interviews him. He's like, people are just like, this dude's awesome. <laughs> and then two years later, some asshole at the bar is like, you didn't do that. And so he's like, fuck you, I did it. And then leaves, steals a plane again, does the exact same thing again, leaves the plane there. But then this time, he, pe- pe- like the public turns, it all turns on him. Oh, yeah. And people are like, fuck this guy. He goes to jail for six months. Um, but then he just lived out his life uh, in New Jersey. Uh, he had a family, a hero. and he died in 2009, uh, just having the craziest story ever. And what a great it. bar bet. Yeah, a perfect bar bet. He backed it up. He really did. Did you ever live, have you ever lived in New York City? I have. I lived in New York City for a long time. I think I lived there for 12, right, 12 or so years. MTV was based there, right? Yeah, and I just... Wow, this is this is pure New York spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just the F you to the world. <laughs> the greatest sure. city in the world. The only city in the world if you're living there. Yeah, you know? that's right. Uh, it's, it's, there's no other city. So I'm not surprised at the bravado. I'm more concerned about security at the, at the airport <laughs> that... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he yes. is who he is. This is he pre-9-11. Is... This is six right. years pre-9-11. pre-9-11, let's... <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me that they should have uh, a padlock, yeah. at least. Yeah. Or a gate. On a, you a know, gate on a runway. Something, something. It just, to me, the second time isn't so much him. He's going to be who he is. Yeah. I want to know what airport... That you can just steal a plane at any time. Yeah. Teetersboro, not turn the lights on. Teetersboro, if anybody wants to steal a plane, apparently. Go get it. Very easy there in it 1958. 
Well, it's like one of those things. Maybe it's those old planes. Like I think we all have an idealized uh, uh, image of what we're capable of. And those old planes, I always just imagine you go up to the propeller and you say contact and then you try to spin it and it just powers to life. And then the plane starts veering a little left and you jump in and take off. It seems like something we've all thought of. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about it. Uh, did you did you ever drink at McSorley's, McSorley's Ale House when you were there? I had, I think, one drink at McSorley's once. It's it might be the oldest bar, yes, oldest continuously oldest bar. open bar. But McSorley's had something um, for over twenty years. Somebody would call the bar on Sunday afternoons at like a random time on a Sunday, and the bartenders would answer, and the person would just say, "Your enema is ready," and then hang up the phone. <laughs> and this went on every single Sunday for like twenty five plus years. They never figured out who did it. Different bartenders of generations would come in, and it was this thing where some some random guy would do some bit where every Sunday afternoon he would just call. They would say McSorley's, and he would go, your enema is ready, and then hang up. <laughs> and then I think he missed like a couple weekends or something, or it stopped for a little bit, and everybody was like, oh, no, that person Dead. died. <laughs> and then it started right back up again. But I always thought that would be like a great premise for like a TV show, like that guy's life. Who is that person who's like, I'm going to do a bit for 25 years. Yeah. That makes no sense. He's a flake in every other aspect of his life. <laughs> yes. He doesn't show up for his kids' soccer. No. He didn't show up for high school graduation. Nope. But my God, is he not going to miss? I mean, that's uh, I mean, that's 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 someone who is out to rule the world. Should I that agree. person ever chose? I mean, that's yeah. 25 years. It's like Desmond on Lost, just entering those numbers and not even sure why. It's like, let's just keep this going. Maybe he thought the world would end if he stopped calling and saying your enemy is ready. I don't know. Yeah, no, I like I like the actually strange connection between the two of this yeah. idea of like someone who could rule the world if they actually tried. Because I do yeah. feel that about Thomas Fitzpatrick. If he can <laughs> land a plane on an uh, upper Manhattan street, like he could probably be like the greatest pilot in the world. And instead, he's just doing whatever fuck he does. And then just like doing it once or twice. You know, like that's the craziest part to me where you see like if this person wasn't in a bar at three in the morning, they would really have done something amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kurt used to do this great thing uh, in Manhattan and New York where he was a big bike rider, He'd ride to work and that sort of thing. And every once in a while, we would bar crawl together and ride bikes through the city and cut down Third Ave or whatever. And Kurt, when he was riding his bike, if someone was hailing a cab, Kurt would high five their hand in the air <laughs> and yell high five. And peep. And I was always like 20 feet behind Kurt. And they would be New York pissed instantly like what the fuck and then kind of be like that was funny <laughs> just 100 high fives all the way down lexington avenue oh my god i remember the last time i did that because i did stop doing that um i so i had convinced uh i worked uh fixing computers at a a temp agency and i had convinced them that we needed to have uh videos this is like 2002 or something i convinced that they we needed to have video Videos on our website and so so i got them to buy this like five thousand dollar sony camera and then i use that camera to like make a lot of videos and comedy you know comedy smart videos. um so i was it was in my backpack double dip yeah yeah, yeah. so it's in my backpack just wrapped in a shirt because that's how i would travel with it this five thousand dollar and i'm riding my bike I see a guy, he's hailing a cab, I high-five him, and then a dude opens a door right in front of me, and I hit the Classic. door, flip Oof. over, and then break Oof. the camera in half. 
Oh, boy. And I was just like, oh, no, I'm going to get fired. And I hated the job and everything. But then I went back to work and I just put the camera. Put it right on the shelf. It was in two pieces. I put them yes. together and then put it in a box. <laughs> and no one, at, to this day, no one has ever gone in that box to look at that camera. Victimless crime. <laughs> exactly. A corporation loses five grand. Who cares? Well, that's actually a good segue into Suchin's podcast because it's about all things consumerism. Yes. Tell yes. us all about it. Tell us about Add to Cart. Well, yes, it's a it's a podcast called Add to Cart. And like a few people, um, we uh, started uh, this during the pandemic. Yep. yep. I know it's a novel idea. We did too. Very few people. Yes. So here we are in a storage shed. So, so yeah, I mean, this is a show that, you know, really officially it's, you know, it's about all the things we buy and mm. what those things say about who we are. So it's less about um, us reviewing products or, you know, we're not experts by any stretch of the imagination, but what it is, is it's a very, very quick way to um, get to know someone quite intimately is what you're buying, what's on your credit card statements. And it says a lot about where we are in life. So that's what the podcast is about. And we talk about everything. I mean, yes. I don't know. It's, it's very it's, conversational. It's very casual. You talk about your like lives, this. your travels. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's so fun. You, I was listening to an episode and I got to say, I'm throwing my full support behind you, is you feel like we need to change the name of Asian chicken salad or Chinese chicken salad to something else because, well, you were saying you feel shame, shamed when you order an Asian chicken salad. I hope salad. you feel shamed when you order it as well now. Well, in writer's rooms, uh, in, I've been in like TV writer's rooms where uh, at lunch from Mendocino Farms or yeah. one of those places, Tender Greens, one of the places everybody always goes, where every single writer is eating a Chinese chicken salad. And That's then at right. some point you go, why are we calling this a Chinese chicken salad? <laughs> what makes this? The, the, want, the, the crunchy wontons? Like, this seems offensive. <laughs> Yeah, sesame chicken salad is a better name for it, I think. It's well. also accurate. Yeah. It's also accurate. Yeah. I know. I didn't realize that uh, I had been doing that for years as an Asian person, yes. walking right up to the front and ordering <laughs> me a, an Asian chicken salad, an Oriental chicken salad, a, yes. a Chinese chicken salad, yes. and not thinking one thing you know, about it as I marched down the streets for... Asian American identity and pride, then That's turning right. around, going straight to the deli and saying, one Oriental chicken salad, extra wonton. No connection right. there. That's then right. uh, I moved uh, to Santa Barbara during the pandemic Very and nice. from LA, which is, yes, it is actually really nice. Um, which is, uh, you know, I lived Korea near Koreatown, mm -hmm. but here, not that, not that many Asian people here. Pretty I have white to say. up there. Pretty, pretty white. white. <laughs> so white I was finding myself in Delhi's doing my usual, ordering my Asian chicken salad and being like, oh, shit. <laughs> Wait a minute. I've never experienced this before. Right. I am the only Asian person in here and probably for about a three mile radius. Right. Yes. And uh, and it dawned on me that uh, maybe some things will have to change. And so this is my platform. I love, you know, this. I've, I've given up on trying to stop, you know, solve homelessness or uh, <laughs> childhood poverty. Yes. 
uh, my platform. I came on here yes. uh, to tell you in the audience that <laughs> I am launching a social campaign. We're with you. Of utmost importance. Yes. We are changing. Do not order Asian chicken salad anymore. It no. is a sesame chicken salad. If we all start saying that. It'll just change. They We're gotta, in. They got to change it. We're in. If two 100%. straight white men get involved with this, and they're <laughs> this gonna is be something like, you can get going on. Yes. You can relate to. <laughs> We're we can get easy. This. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like that thing where whenever you're in a like if you're in a foreign country, like I hate when I see other Americans. Like if I'm in Tokyo walking around, one time uh, our friend Kristen and I, we were walking around Tokyo and we went to a bar and we were having a drink and then these other Americans came in. They kind of made eye contact like, hey, come talk to us. And we wanted yeah. to be like, get the fuck away from us. <laughs> we did not come here to meet you at all. You are not part of this experience. Uh, Scotty, do you want to give me uh, one more story here before we take a quick break? Let's take a quick. Yeah, that's fine. I would love to. Okay, this tease, was, us, tease us. Yeah, let's break. tease us into our little commercial break period. Uh, this is from Oliver Rayon, or uh, yeah, I think Oliver Rayon, forklift driver survives being buried under fifty-five tons of cheese for eight hours. <laughs> okay. Ah, more of mm, that. Mm. Come back to banana. Bananas. Back, uh, yep. Scotty, uh, do you have any shout-outs before we get back to our fantastic guest today? I do have a few. Everybody, thanks for all the DMs to the Bananas Podcast on Instagram. Kurt and I are trying so hard to keep up with all of them. I really do feel like we're probably a month or two away from us. You're going to have to give us 24 hours because it's up to like 200 every hour. Yeah. So, but thank you. We love all the stories. Uh, first to pixiepost.com, pixie-post.com. They wanted us to review them. I don't have Facebook anymore, so I couldn't review them, but they send gift boxes and packages with a little sprinkle of magic. So if you need to send a gift and you like to astound your friends, they're not a sponsor. They're just our buddies, pixiepost.com. And I have two happy birthdays. One is to Earth Angel, Katie Dumarat from Gareth and the other friends. I guess Katie is about to have the best year of her life. So, Katie, happy birthday from the Banana Boys. And also, happy birthday to the endlessly impressive Jesse Ross from Ginger and Whiskey. Jesse, just, just try your best to have the greatest year of your entire life. And honestly, if you have the best year of the last three years of your life, that's pretty attainable, I would say. <laughs> 2020 and 2021 really suck some butt. So get out there and have some fun. That's all I got. <laughs> and of course, we are here with our wonderful guest, Suchin Pak. The uh, best. I remember, like, from 2004 onward, every did you like every New Year's Eve, I would just say to myself, next year, that's going to be the year. Big and run. I did it for 10 years straight. <laughs> and it was never the year for me. <laughs> Do you have any specific New Year's traditions like that or like ideas of like what will bring luck in the new year or anything like that? You know, um, 
I don't know when I started doing this, maybe just a few years ago, but I think it's a very natural thing to do. But I know in in Japanese culture, speaking of your trip to Japan, it's yes. a big thing. Is it, and I forget what they call it, but anyways, it's an end of the year clean. Oh, that's I like, I like to that. do, and 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 I'm not talking about let's run a Swiffer, you know, across a you know no dirty floor. It's time. Talking, it's time. It's time for you to clean up that storage area, Kurt, at the <laughs> uh -huh. end of the year. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about tackling into, is there a yellow clip on a box? I'm not sure what, it could I be a keychain. I see what you're looking at. Yep, could be anything. Could be a tool, a gadget, that thing needs a home. It's an exacto Everything blade. on that shelf needs a home. And yeah. it doesn't have to be your home. It just needs a home. You know, a lot and of that it, kind of cleaning, a lot of it, I would just say, just pointing out all of these boxes yep, are, beav but... are beaver costumes. So oh, I don't good. know where I'm going to put them. I don't totally think normal. anybody wants them. <laughs> totally normal. Get your hands on those beaver costumes. If it doesn't spark joy, go ahead and ship them out. I'm sure there are people in the audience that would love to get an old beaver costume. Uh, from from your pile. Absolutely. That is That's actually very a good true. point. I would love that. I will now put this on offer. If anyone wants a beaver costume, I will send it to you. Um, I, I think, I guess it's got to be the first person who asks for it because otherwise, yeah. oh man, I hate doing this because people listen to this like a year later and people are like, I want that beaver costume. It was like, man, it was a year it's ago. It's too late. Dude. Yeah. Come on, man. If yes. this is, you got to keep up. This is this is <laughs> late. This is breaking news on yeah. this podcast. If you're you not listening wait. to this on Tuesday, October nah. whatever. No, 20th, go eat shit. Uh, yeah. It's gone. Twenty twenty. It's gone. It's gone it's like gone. the wood. No. Gone no. like the wood. Don't don't cry over here. No. <laughs> this is like that free box at every yard sale where it's just like, just take it, please. <laughs> God, we don't smoke. Why do we have so many ashtrays at our house? Just take it. Oh my God! As you get older, you lose your ashtrays. I used to have like fifteen <laughs> ashtrays, and obviously you I don't also, smoke I, anymore. I also used to smoke, but everyone I knew in my twenties, everyone I knew smoked. Of course. And so and you, you steal ashtrays. ashtrays. Yes, yes steal it was. Ashtrays. It was a thing. Oh God, the pint glasses I used to steal in New York City. My whole <laughs> my refrigerator and freezer was just stolen. I'm like, I've never heard of this crap beer. That pint glass is going home with me. So cool. So cool. Where did they go? They went to hell where they're waiting for me for being a criminal. And I will meet them. Maybe it was maybe two two three years ago, right before the Great Choir. I had dinner with Kristen and Rich. And uh, and we were having a drink at the bar afterwards, and then we were both like, we should walk home. We were in Silver Lake. We wanted to walk home to yep. Los Feliz or whatever. And uh, and I was like, we should just walk with our drinks. And Kristen and Rich were, are very uncomfortable at like breaking the rules, but I like yes. convinced them. I was like, it's okay. You see these glasses? We can bring these glasses back tomorrow. They won't miss these glasses. It's okay. And then of course, Kristen had to tell the bartender tell that we were doing it. And the bartender Whoops. was like, oh, please don't do that. <laughs> and then we did it anyway. We lose like, about 30 now, glasses a night. Yeah, yeah, but now we have to feel bad about it because they're fully aware that we took three glasses, but they brought them yeah. back. Bring it back. It's they brought okay. it you a heathen? Yeah, there you go. See? I've put a lot more into bars than I've taken for bars. That <laughs> yes, I agree sure. 100%. I have one other question for you, Suchin. I was reading your Wikipedia, and I hope it's accurate. Is it true your <laughs> Well, first... I wrote it, so. Oh, good. Is it true <laughs> your first major interview was with Ice-T, with the rapper Ice-T? 
Yeah, I think so. I think that story is true. And I called him Ice Pick. Did you really? He did. (laughs) And he cut the interview off. No. What a jerk. Yeah, that was it. I was. It was out. I was. I remember exactly where it was. And I flubbed it up as I always do. I'm terrible with names. And I said, Ice Pick. Oh yeah. boy! Oh my God! Yeah. And, and you know, and, and it was oh, a, it was just nerves. Just nerves, and you know, Bay Your Area. Kid. You Your know what kid. I mean? It, like he's 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 a god, he's royalty. and so yeah. royalty, and so he and and rightfully so, he shut it down. I mean, I was sixteen, so oh God, you know, maybe sixteen, baby. Oh, so in high school, so nervous, and yeah, that was my first celebrity interview. Good. Who knew that that would get me? This far. So far. You were the last real wave of MTV, too, which is great. Like, you know, for people like Kurt my age, like MTV was the shit. And then it's we actually a bunch of my first TV ring jobs were at MTV. But Mm -hmm. it was during that thing where it was like no more news, no more videos, all reality TV all the time. And you really were part of that last like the last push of like, hey, this is cool. This is still something people (laughs) like. Yeah, I mean, you know, people always, you know, ask sort of, especially right after I left, you know, do you miss it? And I'm like, I mean, there's not, it's not there to miss anymore. Exactly. It's, it's kind of like the best way to go out of a party. You I know agree. what I mean? Is is that just watch it go up in flames in the rearview mirror as yes. you head off to uh, California. And that's kind of uh, how it happens, so Good. to speak. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to put a chapter behind you. I, I, yeah. I'm not a big looker backer myself. Nostalgia is for the boring. I think. I think look ahead. <laughs> All that. right, give us this article. Speaking of this guy, won't forget this forklift driver survives being buried under 55 tons of cheese wow. for eight hours. Wow! This wow. Is, what? Uh, Oliver Rayon, thank you so much. Um, and this was written for yahoonews.com uh, by Ross McGee. Oh, Ross McGee, brother to the the McGee. <laughs> the McGee. <laughs> who directed. Who, who directs kind of okay movies. <laughs> who we don't know if that's true, but we do know if Ro- that Ross McGee is the best in the biz. He is the best in the business. A man has survived after being buried eight hours under 55 tons of cheese. Forklift driver Tomasz Wisniewski was trapped after a large metal shelving collapsed inside a warehouse in Linstock. <sighs> wow. He was located by <laughs> He was located by firefighters who used a drone to find him, which oh is god. already fantastic. Oh my god. Before cutting into the side of the building to pull him out. So it tipped against a building, against the wall, and he gets buried in 55 tons of cheese. Mr. Wisniewski was in his forklift truck when all the cheese came down on him. And it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is why uh, this writer, Ross McGee, is the best in the biz. All the cheese. All the cheese. Uh, It is believed the vehicle's protective cage saved his life. I do believe that is true. Friends and family of Mr. Wisniewski, a Polish man in his early 30s from Telford, Shropshire, uh, who is about to get married? I mean, that what a way to lose your spouse! Oh Thank God. God this worked yeah. out. Oh, how did? Oh, what happened? Oh, he uh, died. Cheese crushed him. Um, <laughs> he uh, he was about to get married. Uh, friends and family cheered when he emerged down a ladder from the building. He smiled and chatted with paramedic uh, paramedics after the rescues and was taken to a hospital. More than seventy firefighters worked to save him. Uh, the first call was received at 9.40 a.m., and he was freed at 6 p.m. 
Uh, firefighters, we'll just give them a little shout out. They built a bridge of wooden pallets to help Wisniewski <laughs> climb out of the building. Um, and yeah, it was this multiple agencies came. His daughter said, it's a miracle he walked out. If you can feel a sense of relief, we all whooped and cheered, and we couldn't have asked for any better. I'm uh. relieved to know there are two women who will be far more relieved, and that's his mother and his fiance. Uh, this is just a miracle. So I, there we go. I love the idea that 70 firefighters had to come, which means that they didn't all arrive at the same time. You know, like they're coming in drips and drabs, six at a time, one at a time, <laughs> 12 at a time. And each time someone has to be like, this dude's under 55 tons of cheese. And they'll have to be like, what? What are you talking about? Like, there must be like an area where it's just like a staging area to explain the cheese thing so that yep. not constantly inside, trapped inside, he just hears, what? How much cheese? <laughs> like 70 times. We need more guys. We need more men. We need sending. more people to get this cheese out of the way. Oh, oh boy. God. Oh, boy. But what? I, I don't know if you guys went there, but my brain immediately went to... What is the smell of being yep. buried for that long under 55 tons of cheese? Yeah. Yes. And, yes. And also, what kind, did it mention what kind of cheese it was? Is it wrapped or is it free cheese? It, I, I don't know. It did not say. In my mind, I want it to be free cheese. I just right. want it to be mounds and mounds of grated Parmesan. Right. You know? That's right. <laughs> That's, That's exactly right. what you want. We all want that. That Absolutely. just piles of ground, already ground Parmesan on, yes, on shelves. Free. 55 <laughs> tons just on shelves open to the world. Like a zipper. You just unzip <laughs> unzip it, and it just comes pouring out. 55 tons. And Stanley Tucci's just crawling through the whole thing. The whole thing. It's, that's, it's true. And I wonder for the rest of his life if he'll walk in like a cheese shop or a deli and smell cheese oh, yeah. and just get paralyzed with fear. And then they'll be like, Get them out. There's too much. It's cheese <laughs> Stinson. Um, I worked in Atlanta at this place called Huey's, which was a New Orleans themed restaurant right on Peachtree. And I lived in Atlanta for a year and I would work there just brunch shifts, just Saturday and Sunday mornings. And all the post church crowd would come. And Huey's big sort of uh, bring them in gimmick was they made beignets. And for anybody who doesn't know what beignets are, it's like a New Orleans food. It's like a fried dough square that puffs up when you fry it. And then you put uh, powdered sugar over it. It's very famous in New Orleans. And in, in, in Huey's, we would sell them by three, six, or nines. And families would come in after church, and drink coffee, and eat just piles of beignets. <laughs> so... The guy who cooked them, the beignet cook, was a, uh, I would say, 65, maybe 75-year-old Latin American man named Alvi. He was about 4 foot 10. He was extremely sweet, all smiles all the time. I'm not sure if he spoke English or if he just chose not to speak to any of the servers, which, honestly, I wouldn't either. Smart move. <laughs> he was always wearing, like, Big Johnson's T-shirts and NASCAR hats, and... <laughs> There was a separate little window in the kitchen just for the beignets. They were that popular. So if you weren't running food from the other windows, you would just grab your beignets and serve them. And so by we would open at like 8 a.m. The church shift would real or the push would come through at like 10 or 11. And by like 1 p.m., he Alvi would be head to toe covered in powdered sugar. Head to toe. Mm. Like like a little snowman standing back there serving oh. up beignets with a big smile. Oh. Nicest man ever. So I always loved this guy. And when you would round the corner and look through the little window and see his little powder-covered face, he would just, like, pass him to you. 
And so I moved to Brooklyn after that. And I was going to be in Atlanta for about two weeks. I gave my two weeks. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say thank you to everybody. I'm going to maybe buy breakfast for everybody in the kitchen staff. It's like a last see. Uh, we'll probably never see each other again. And Alvy was not there. And I was like, this is too bad because I love that little guy. And I'm driving home and I see, I see Alvy standing at the bus stop covered in powder like again oh, like no. you know we didn't have showers post, or anything post post, post uh, shift yeah post sunday brunch at huey's on Peachtree, which is no longer there and there's this little <laughs> sugar covered snowman waiting for the bus waiting for marta so i pull over and i'm like alvi it's scotty and i was like you need a ride and he's like yeah so he gets in and i'm driving and I had this little crappy Corolla, and I just, I'm driving him up to his place, and I roll down the windows, and my, it's like a tornado of powdered sugar in my car, just blowing me in the face. I'm covered in powdered sugar. It's going out the windows. It just looks like a rolling cocaine party right down Piedmont. And then I dropped that nice man off, and I've obviously never seen him again. I went to check on on Huey's, but it did close. And I was like, that's my last memory of him. <laughs> that's, that's his beautiful. last memory of me. <laughs> yeah, just a little tornado of sugar driving through Aww. when I'm 21 years old. So, Alvy, I hope you're still alive and out there and a huge banana. I'm sure he's a huge banana. <laughs> that's what his, that's what his uh, wifey calls him, a little tornado of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> he comes home, and he says, he's there so he sweet. is, my man. Uh, the a little tornado. Man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Working so hard, just the sweetest. I love Alvy. Oh man, I love that. What you got first, Curdy B? I'm gonna give you uh, one more here. How does that? Ooh, sound? sounds fun to me. Um, we got two. Uh, I will let uh, Suchin decide. Would you like something from space or mm. something about a dog? Dog. All right. Good call. Here it is. A family raised a dog for two years only to find out it was actually a bear. (laughs) (laughs) Smart. There it is. All right. Here it is. This this was in Insider. This was sent in by Copy Haste. Classic Copy Haste. Copy Haste. Uh, you know, uh, Suchin, we have a listener who uh, who sends in an enormous amount of articles for us to consider. Incredible. And so he ends up being on the podcast a lot. Um, and copy haste. Uh, he owns uh, the oldest comic book store in Los Angeles, uh, and they had to close down uh, during the Great Quar. But they have moved. They have found a new location and after 43 years, they've been around since 1977, uh, they are at 1803 Lincoln Boulevard in Santa Monica. So if you're ever in uh, Los Angeles looking for a good comic book store, uh, Heidi Ho Comics, that is what they're called. Go check them out. So thank you to Copy Haste. Go to his new place. Here it is. This was an Insider, uh, insider Magazine? I don't know. Yeah, um, sure. But it also looks like maybe it's from IFL Science, written by Madison Dapchevik, Dapchevik. Love her. She's the best I've ever heard of. It's not every day you see a 110 kilogram, 250 pound dog walking on hind legs. (laughs) Uh, For one family in southwest China, however, that's exactly what their Tibetan Mastiff started doing, sparking some serious questions. Whoa. While on vacation in 2016, Suyun brought what she believed to be bought what she believed to be a Tibetan Mastiff to her home in a Chinese village in Yunnan province, China. 
the puppy had a voracious appetite, eating a <laughs> box of fruits and two buckets of noodles every day. That's when Yun began questioning whether her dog was, in fact, a Tibetan Mastiff, a breed that okay. typically reaches around 180 pounds. Yeah, That wow. is a Monster. giant dog. And also, Monster. there's a big picture of a Tibetan Mastiff. Kind of looks like a bear. Kind of looks yep. like yeah. a bear. I okay. was looking it up. It does look like a it bear. Does. Okay. Um, no posters I can here. see that. Yeah. Quote, the more he grew, the more like a bear he looked. You told Chinese media, I am a little scared of bears. What? <laughs> yeah, Makes sense. Uh, when Yun called official, she found out her pet wasn't a dog or any member of the canine family for that matter. In fact, it was an endangered Asiatic black bear. Footage by Bingo. shows the bear yeah. standing almost wow. three feet tall with very bear-like features. I would say so. Uh, even though the bear was kept as a household pet, staff were reportedly so intimidated by the animal. Incredible. Uh, isn't that correct? It's Ursus Tibetanus is an endangered species. And I mean, apparently, how lucky is it, she that this thing didn't eat her? No, this is crazy. I mean, it's great. That's like, yeah. it's, I mean, it's just a wild animal. Like, that yeah. is the great wonder. Yeah. <laughs> but again, must be adorable. Must A baby bear is adorable. Like adorable. a baby puppy. <laughs> But I, I, you know, I'm just wondering, so somebody had an endangered bear. Do you, do you think that they knew that they had the bear? Yes. And they, they, it, was, it was earmarked for another delivery, also highly illegal. <laughs> yes. But somehow that got crossed. I'm just trying to understand, like, where? let's back up and yeah. into the supply chain. So. And where, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, what I do. is going on? I have answers but, for you. I have answers. Okay, what for is you. it? It's and probably sad. It's incredibly sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 So apparently, uh, the uh, the reason that it is endangered is that mm-hmm. um, they have been used for millennia in uh, traditional medicine uh, for their ke- a chemical found in the bear's bile. Um, it's a substance produced in their gallbladder is used to tra- treat a range of ailments such as liver disease in traditional Chinese medicine. Okay. Uh, and be- uh, bear bile farming, which is, has a name for it, is legal in China and often involves keeping bears in very sad conditions. Anyway, they are sold very on sad. the black market to people. And apparently this woman, I guess, saw it, thought it was a dog and bought it. Right, uh, but the guy was selling it so that you could make money. I guess taking its bile, which is sure. the deepest, saddest part. So this banana story started fun. What a fun start! And then adds it ends. It's like 2019. Dark. Yeah, I mean 2020. It was like 2020 started off oh. amazing. That was the With 2020 the stories. Listen, 2020. I thought I was coming to Santa Barbara for a quick one month Airbnb stay. Oh, you know. Yeah. Oh, I, Here I am. You oh, you went right away. You went right. Oh, away. I went right away. So let smart. me tell you, so I, the harbinger, the harbinger of what to come. I, I didn't know how long it was going to last, but I knew I wanted to get out of LA. Was in LA, there is a very fancy grocery store called Erwan. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's unlike any. I, I would say yes. it's unlike any other place in the world. Yeah, and, I agree. And it should never be replicated. It's not one of those things where we should be so proud, but. It nope. is all that LA has to offer mm-hmm. is an air one, yes, which is $25 green shakes and, <laughs> you know, adaptogens and all of that. And yep. I remember going in there, you know, just picking up whatever, a salad or something. And some alkaline and just, water. Yes, <laughs> alkaline water, you know, the LA diet. Yep. And seeing hordes, hordes 
of vegans with three, four carts filled with very expensive vegan snacks and thinking this is the end of, of the world. Yeah, we're dead. Like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. If this is if this <laughs> is what I'm going to be looking at for the unforeseeable future, I'm yeah. good. Like, I don't want to be around this. So, yeah. So that, so I came to, yeah, Santa Barbara during, right in the beginning during all of it. That's so smart that you got out immediately like that. That just, that says you're a smart person to just be like, I'm going. There it is. It's yeah. going. You must have been on the verge of leaving for a long time as well. Yes. <laughs> but I think that's L.A. Isn't that L.A.? Aren't we always on the verge? Like, this is a stop. <laughs> a, a stop yeah. to Bali, a stop to Kyoto, <laughs> a stop to, you that's know, right. Keep New moving. Zealand. Keep, Keep moving. moving. This is this is when you come here to think about, yes. you know, where you want to be. That's L.A. And then you're there for, you know, 35 years. But... <laughs> That's so, right. yes, I, I had always thought up there Kurt you, did stand up at UC Santa Barbara like two years ago. And I went up to watch him. We were like, hey, let's have a friend night. I'll come up. We'll get a hotel. I'll watch wonderful. you do stand up in an auditorium. It was wonderful. Aww, but, Kurt, do you remember this? That's cute. The first two bars we went to were like, well, let's do a little Curdy <laughs> Scotty bar crawl like we used to do all the time. And the first two places we went, including yeah. the hotel bar, just yeah. nobody served us. We just sat there for 25 <laughs> minutes waiting to be served. Uh, yeah. Then we were like, let's just walk to that other bar, walk to another bar sit at the end of the bar just nobody serves us and we're like well let's go to this other bar so we go to this weird ass speakeasy uh remember we had to walk like through two parking lots it was like in it was a weird speakeasy but it definitely was it like but it was behind a strip mall so it's like you walk around the back of the strip mall and then there was a speakeasy yeah it's in santa barbara it's actually a very nice uh bar we'll find it suchin we'll send it to you and when we're back in precedented times we'll come on up and we'll toast to breathing clean air yeah Yeah. um do you are you gonna stay up there are you happy Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, this is it. We bought a house. Oh, nice. I'm in it. It's our first week. It's my third day in this house. Congratulations. Oh, That's amazing. Thank you. Oh. So my kids are going to the school across. They, they walk across a, a little tiny footbridge. I mean, oh are you next to a next oh to a, a horse farm. I, I mean, bucolic. I know you've won. Yeah, you've I was won. pretty, pretty sweet, except for you know, the problem, Yeah, you know, yeah. the Asian chicken, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. salad problem. We're other, than that, yeah. <laughs> other than that, <laughs> this place is heaven, but I'm changing that. Yeah, you know, exactly. Santa Barbara is ground zero there it for is. sesame chicken salad. Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> I was up in your neck of the woods uh, last week uh, on vacation. We went to Ventura. And oh, yeah. um, and I took my my daughter. My daughter's four and a half, and she wanted to go on a boat. And so I was like, yeah. "Okay, so we're gonna rent like this little electric boat and like and put around the Ventura Harbor." And we yeah. had done it last year when we were up there, and uh, she tried to drive the whole time. Um, but she, she was three at the time. And so she would just drive into things. And so I had to like stop her from driving and then she like lost it and it was a meltdown. It was horrible. So she really wanted to go again. And I, Mm -hmm. and I, so I sat her down before we left and I said, (laughs) Olive, you have to understand that you cannot drive the boat. Papa has to drive the boat. And she just was quiet and stared at me and blinked like really slowly, (laughs) like five times 
and then processing. I have to go think about it. And then she she went into her room and she laid face down on her bed (laughs) for about five minutes. And then we like are going on talking about something else. And then she comes back out and she just says, I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) And then we started laughing and she was so confused as to why we were laughing at I'll allow it. No, because she this was a serious thing. Yeah. She deliberated. She reached back into, you know, that place that that Buddha lies. <laughs> yeah. She asked her, she asked her source. Yeah. She said, source, what would you do? Can I ride? Can I ride the boat without driving the boat? And source said, I'll allow it. I love that kind of stuff. I love that when kids are in their own world, they're having these oh, own yeah, prou- the profound moments. They're really working it out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I told this one. We were, uh, I was at a bar with Shanali and another friend of ours, Meg, and her, she, uh, Meg had like three sons. And she, we were just hanging out drinking. She's like, yeah, my oldest son, he's pretty self-sufficient. He goes around. He's like, the, the five-year-old's really fun. And then they have a, like, a two-year-old. And the two-year-old, she's washing her son's hair, giving him a bath, and her little son gets an erection while like getting a bath. Mm-hmm. Totally normal totally thing for normal. a little kid to do. And but she was like, you know, I'd never. She's like, I thought about this for years with my first two sons, but now they're too old and it's too embarrassing. But I always was wondering, like, why this was happening. So she's sitting on the toilet, just pouring water over her son's head, and she's like, Hey. What do you what do you think about? Like what are you thinking about? And the son does the same <laughs> that's thing. Her like, yeah, that's like her hey, what doing, are you, that's doing yeah. research. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, do you think, what are you thinking about? Research. Yeah. And so this little boy's sitting in like, you know, a couple inches of water and she, wait, you know, what are you thinking about? And he looks at her and blinks. This is why you reminded me. And then like looks down at like the water and then looks back up at her and just says, Weaponry. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, why does he know the word weaponry? So my son gets an erection thinking about guns and stuff and that missiles. I, I mean, just, it starts young, guys, yeah. right? Isn't that weaponry. the truth? At least Incredible. you know it's consistent. Yeah, Exactly. That's where it all comes from. Uh, yeah. Weaponry. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it comes from, you know, Ugh. an honest, most honest place. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? boy, oh, boy. That's where it is. I love an inappropriately complex word for a child. Mm. Yes. Olive, like, <laughs> Olive throws them out all the time. I'm like, who the fuck said that to you? <laughs> like, where are yeah. you learning translation? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes, um, absolutely. Okay, give us one more to put us to bed, Scotty. All right, a shorty for the road. Suchin, I was listening to your podcast. You guys... You guys, you talk about books a lot, which I appreciate. A lot of people never talk yeah. about books, and nobody reads anymore. And I actually was listening, and, I, and I'm and i going to download some books from your podcast. And you and I have a neutral feeling on graphic novels, which I respect. So <laughs> Very neutral. You mean cartoon novels. books? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, my issue with uh, – I, I enjoy graphic novels because they usually are about things that I'm very interested in, including mm-hmm. space. But I can't – I don't – I want to move too quickly. I want more information. So I'm not appreciating. I'm not appreciating the art. I'm just like, why are there only three words on this page? Give me the next three. And like, I just find myself having to flip the page so often that it drives me crazy. I know it's my problem, not the book's problem. I should slow down and be in the moment more, but go ahead. That's okay. 
All right. This one is for, was sent in by Bananimal CNT002. Her name is Candace. Thank you very much, Candace. Um, suspicious package outside Sister's Library. Turns out to be books. So this was written by... <laughs> This was written for Central Oregon Daily. And Kurt, you know who wrote it? The Central Oregon Daily News Sources. You news know. Sources, not even news staff. News sources. Nope. The sources wrote the story. <laughs> the librarians wrote the story. The sources wrote the story. This happened literally last week. Deschutes County Sheriff's Office responded to a suspicious package left outside the Sisters Library Tuesday, prompting the Oregon State Police Bomb Squad. Oh, boy. <laughs> The package was full of books. <laughs> After the cheese, they went from the cheese debacle straight yes. straight to this emergency. I know. These poor bastards are just zooming all over because, well, the cheese guy needed rescuing. The books, yeah. maybe maybe we can open that package. Sheriff's Office yeah. tweeted at 12.30 p.m. that this uh, from the scene, they urged people to avoid the area. Then they updated the tweet a few minutes later saying all was clear. It was just books. <laughs> Later Tuesday, the library issued a statement on Twitter reminding residents that the library does not accept book donations. There you go. Whether they're open or closed, uh, the Sisters Library is now welcoming everybody back and open. So stop dropping your books off at Sisters Library. It's too confusing. Or any library, I think. Yeah, I think it's that's probably not acceptable in this day and age. Yep. Yes. Put let's not go too dark. Let's not be, let's keep it on the high note. Yep. <laughs> Mail them to friends. But yes, Mail that's probably not what we're doing. There's Unmarked a- packages outside public buildings. Nope. There's a book deposit. There's got to be a deposit, guys. It's built into the library. Just slide them on in. But there is something, you know, you, you know what I mean? It harkens back to an era when you could do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's probably someone, maybe in my mind, it was, uh, you know, an older maybe resident mm-hmm. that maybe used to do that all the time mm-hmm. and didn't understand there are new rules now, you know. We're mad yeah. We're mad that the library wasn't open at 6.01 a.m. and so just mm-hmm. dropped their box of books and walked away. They used to get a nickel and go buy a couple licorice whips and then ride their penny farthing back to the farm. It was a better time. I can tell. I'll tell you what is that. I go to the library now every week because uh, we need to get like thirty new books for Olive because she just goes through them, and That's so we beautiful. get like thirty new books every week. And I, they, I, I love the library. I love the library Me on too. such a deep, deep level. I, and I didn't realize it until I started going back to the library. Yeah. I think the last time I spent a lot of time in a library was like college. And I loved it then. I just love a library. Mm-hmm. I love all the services. Mm-hmm. I love that it's mm-hmm. fully public. I yep. love that it's free to everybody, that everybody is serviced and there's services for a- anyone who needs them and that it's quiet and it's a very pleasant place. I like to smell everything. I want to s- celebrate libraries and librarians. I have no story for that. It's okay. We'll dedicate yeah. this episode to librarians everywhere. Thanks for still having a job. Yeah, um, thank you. And for some reason, the Pacific Northwest just is the greatest at libraries. If you go to libraries yeah, in the true. Pacific Northwest, if you go to mm. Vancouver, Washington, if you go to yeah. Portland, outside of Seattle, they have the greatest like mm. four-story libraries with like game. Oh, it's incredible. Wow. Yeah. So good for you, Pacific Northwest. You it rains all the time, so I guess you got to figure out shit to do. Exactly, Suchin. Please tell us everywhere we can find you. Plug anything you want. Please. 
Well, you can find me at Sujin Pak on the Instagrams and then at add to cart pod for all of our good podcast stuff. Um, and that's it. That's awesome. great. Well, thank it's you so much podcast. for being here. You were a fantastic guest. That was so fun. Thank you, guys. Congrats on the new house. Have fun filling it up. I know. I know. Well, slowly but surely. Don't you worry. I shall. And if you give us just we're we're going to say bananas and then you can join us in saying bananas. It'll be a beautiful great. Thing. Let's do it. Let's do it. Is someone singing? Oh, (laughs) I'm like, you guys, our timing. Wait a minute, hold on. Let me let me rewind just for a second. When someone says three, two, one, the next beat is whatever it is. Correct? A clap. Right? Hey, I'm gonna sing three, two, one, a song. Now you all you like to take (laughs) we live on the wild side. Take a slow. Pete. Let's do it. Ready? Three, two, one, and we'll do a bananas at the bottom. Three, two, one. Bananas. <laughs> this has been an Exactly Right production. Produced and engineered by Katie Levine. Theme music by Kahan. And all of our artwork is done by Travis Millard. You can follow us on Instagram at The Bananas Podcast, where we post stories every day and things that we don't cover on the podcast. Listen, subscribe, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're interested in advertising on Bananas, please email us at thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. That's thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. 